You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. or 7 p.m. We want to make dialogue the center of our whole community because we're trying to be of one mind. We want mutuality, so we have to talk and pray. Mutuality, having something in common. We want to consider and discern together. So we've been spending the summer asking questions. uh, And these are ones that people have actually given to me. So the one this week is, will God answer my prayer when there's all this suffering to deal with? Nicole, I don't have clicker power. All right. Do I have power now? I do. Good. We'll get to that later. So will God answer my prayer when there's all this suffering to deal with? I really appreciate this question. I imagine it comes from a place of desperation. It's kind of longing that we've been expressing already. And maybe you can relate, and maybe you're even relating in this moment. You've been praying for something for a long time, and yet it doesn't seem to happen. Or maybe you haven't yet dared to pray for what you really desire in your heart because you couldn't bear it if that didn't happen, even if you called God to do something about it. One of the most common references to prayer in popular culture is like a last-ditch effort. You know about the Hail Mary play in football, right? Just throw it up there and see what happens. Got to start talking about football because the Eagles had their first preseason game. It's the preseason, and we are reigning Super Bowl champions, y'all. Don't forget it. I don't care if you don't like Philadelphia Eagles. This is South Jersey. Deal with it. I love you anyway. You know, a lot of people's prayers came true six months ago. But I'm talking, you know, I'm talking about the Hail Mary. It's it's like a cliche when nothing else is working. Well, I guess you got to go with the prayer play. Got to let's get Hail Mary. You know, it's a favorite Catholic prayer. Hail Mary. It's a it's it's a prayer to Mary. Um, We might reserve prayer just for those desperate situations, Uh, or or we might only pray when our cell leader like asks us to at the meeting. We might give it a shot if everybody's doing it, but I think a lot of us uh, might be, you know, not a lot of us, I think some of us are not praying for, for one reason or another. However, there are some of us who are praying all the time, and you're gonna have something to say about this too. So try to get into it from all the different places that we're coming. Even folks that aren't even sure about prayer to folks that pray all the time. We don't want prayer to just be the Hail Mary. The, the, we got nothing else to lose, so we might as well pray. I think that this question that this person asks, will God answer my prayer when there's all this suffering to do with, it actually has a bit of a hypothesis in it. I can imagine this person's praying for a long time and nothing seems to be happening. They're getting uh, disappointed. And, well, maybe the reason that God isn't answering my prayer is there's bigger fish to fry, you know? Damascus is torn apart. They're trying to do art therapy with kids who've been traumatized by war. You know, maybe that, may, maybe that's why. So there's a bit of an answer, I think, in this question. At least the person that asked it, I think, is trying to work with it. Maybe I should be praying for other people rather than myself. You know, because I think we, you know, there's a hypothesis in the question because we want it all to make sense. We want it to work out. 
we want something to, you know, when we pray, we want it to be more like kind of operational. When I do something, I want something to happen. I know you all identify with that because you're human beings. We want that sense of control. But here, let me just point you at the beginning. I don't think it works that way, and I don't have that answer for you. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it works that way. There's not a grand plan for why it seems that some prayers get answers and some don't. Because a lot of the big suffering that happens in the world, people were praying for that, and it happened anyway, too. You know, there were many years that people were praying for the birds to win the Super Bowl. And there were many people praying for the Pats to win the Super Bowl last year, too. So, like, you know, that's like the classic, but it's kind of a joke. I think it's more serious than that. But you might be tempted to give up on praying because your big prayer that you dared to pray didn't happen. You know, you might have actually got up the gumption to, to, to ask God for something, and it, didn't, and it hasn't worked yet, let's say. When that feeling comes up, I think that's what we're dealing with in this question. And I think that Jesus helps us think about it in Luke 18, 1 through 8. Jesus is going to help us deal with it in Luke 18, 1 to 8. Check this out. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Some, some translations say, and not faint. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow, widow keeps coming bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus' answer, in short, always pray and don't give up. Emphasis on the always. Will God, so in short, will God answer my prayer when there's all this suffering to deal with? Keep praying. That's Jesus' answer. Kind of unsatisfying, so let's keep going with it a little bit here. I love that Jesus tells this story, and I love Luke's preface. Let me go back to this, the text so you can see it. Where is it? I want you to be able to see the text there. There it is. I love that Jesus tells the story, and I love Luke's preface. When you're reading the Bible, you've got to squeeze all the sense you can out of it because it's not chock full of context. Okay, so you kind of have to read between the lines, and there's a lot there in between the lines, or at least in each line there is a lot to get. I always recommend putting yourself in between the lines. How would I feel? Why would Luke include this story? Why would he say, then Jesus told his disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Why would, he, why would Luke be talking about this? Why was Jesus talking about this? The answer is because the disciples were tempted to stop praying and give up. Luke's readers were tempted to stop praying and give up. Hey, we're tempted to stop praying and give up. This Bible's like about me. This Bible's like about you. 
This is the experience of what it's like to try to pray at all. You're going to reach this point. It's a foregone conclusion that you will be disappointed. It seems that it doesn't all work out the way you want it to from your tiny perspective. That has to be okay. I got to live out another kind of parable like this when I was a chaplain at Jefferson Hospital. I was working uh, overnight as the chaplain, and the chaplain is kind of like the lover of people in the hospital trying to kind of be the human element in this very clinical scientific place, and often from a, a perspective of the, the holy person, the one that's trying to connect to God uh, and, and help people connect to God from whatever tradition they're going they're going from. So I was facilitating this family who had lost uh, a middle-aged mother. Um, she was already a grandmother, but a young grandmother, a sister, a wife, a mother. So her family just enveloped the whole waiting room of the ICU where she had died just filled the whole place up. And I had to like kind of, I was basically just a traffic cop trying to not have the room be full of 30 people and a fire hazard. You know, I was just trying to help people get in after this woman had died and, and grieve for her because they wanted to be there with her. They wanted to, to see and, and touch and love in person. So it was this big ordeal in the evening. But then in the middle of the night, the, the family is still there because they're holding out hope um, for the pastor to show up. The pastor of their church who lived in Delaware or somewhere fairly far away. But, but not as far as it seemed because it took him a lot. Like he got there in the middle of the night and she had died in the evening. But they wanted him to come to pray for her because they were still holding out hope. They kept saying, God's going to have the final word. And so this woman had died in the, in the early evening. And, it, and it, it had been so long that, that she needed to be taken down to the morgue. So she was in the morgue, and we were, but we were still waiting for the pastor to come because they wanted the pastor to pray in case God wanted to raise her from the dead. These are wild Pentecostal people. I mean, I love them. Wild, it might, you might think that's pejorative. I, I think that's positively great. Wild people. So at Jefferson Hospital, the morgue is right next to this place called the Solace Room which is a glorified closet where they put dead bodies for people to come in and see. And so I, it's this whole ordeal in the middle of the night to get a body out of the morgue into the solace room so the family can come and visit the body. Um, and I'm, I'm the expert of making this happen. And I, don't have, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm calling around trying to get the nurse to help me. I'm, you know, it's, you know, the morgue is basically just a big walk-in freezer. And that's all it is. It's not, it's not like they, on TV where there's like all these like beautiful drawers. There are probably a few hospitals that have that. That's not what it's like at Jefferson Hospital. So I'm in there helping like get the body ready for the pastor to come and pray because he has arrived and the family is still there. And he comes in, we've kind of tried to make it look as beautiful as possible, try to give the family the best space that they can have with the body one more time. And oh, by the way, all the nurses and administrators are like, this is bogus. I hate this. Why do I have to do this? We were already having this giant problem this evening, you know, because it's a problem. You know, it's not someone, you know, someone died. It's a problem. It happens all the time. But I don't want, like, do we have to keep dealing with the same family? Haven't we given them enough? And I'm the guy saying like, no, you haven't. This is what they want and I'm going to get what they want. That's my like, 
that's how I, that's the energy I bring to chaplaincy. Like, I'm, you know, anyway. So the pastor comes in and it's, you know, it's the middle of the night, but he's still dressed in a very pastorly way. Uh, double-breasted suit. Uh, I think he had a hat. In my memory, he's going to have a hat, you know. And he prays, you know, in the name, very, not a very complex prayer, but fervent, but, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise, daughter, or something like that. Uh, and he waited, and she didn't rise. Maybe to be expected. I don't know what he expected. But then God had the final word. And the daughter, particularly the daughter of this woman, just erupted in grief. Now my mom is dead. God got to have the final say. They kept on praying even after she died and had been dead for hours. They held on to see what God would do. And this man, this pastor, had the audacity to try. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? After experiencing this, my answer is yes. He'll find some in this family, I believe. This story fuels my prayer. But you might say, but the prayer wasn't answered. What good is this story? What now? Righteous people have raised people from the dead. It wasn't just Jesus and Lazarus. Remember Eutychus in Acts 20 falls out the window and dies and Paul raises him from the dead? Why not this guy from Delaware? Why not? This woman was dearly loved by this big, enormous, loving family. Why not her? What does this family do now after she doesn't rise from the dead? As a pastor, you might think that I'm supposed to like give you a bunch of stories where people like rise from the dead or people are healed. And I prayed for a lot of people in the hospital and I saw some pretty amazing healings. But I'm determined, what I want for you is that you always pray and don't give up. I think that's what, that's what Jesus wants for us. He's not promising that it's all gonna be okay. He's not promising that you're gonna rise from the dead every time you die. He is promising that we will all rise from the dead at the day of the Lord. But he actually promises a lot of suffering. Here's the thing I think that makes this hard, though. And I think it gets a little bit easier if you'll just let me put this little spin on this part, especially that part, if the Son of Man returns. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? It kind of sounds like Jesus is coming... Uh, to like test our faith, right? It has, that, it has that angle on it. Like he's gonna evaluate you. Do you have faith? Do you have faith? You got faith? You know, we could, we could have that vision of Jesus. And Jesus is gonna come as a judge. That language is in the Bible. He's, so there's, a, there's not a horrible reason to think about it that way, but I find no help in thinking about Jesus that way. And I find a lot of ways to think about Jesus, a lot of stories about Jesus' tenderness, his love, that, that I want to relate to Jesus. If I'm, gonna, if I'm going to have faith when he returns, I need to relate. And so this word faith, you know, has this sense of like, I have these beliefs and do I believe them hard enough? Like when I think about them, do I really, 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 really think they're true? You know, that might be what you're thinking about faith. 
But this word in Greek, faith, is pistis. When the Son of Man returns, will he find pistis on earth? And it might as well be trust, too. Faith and trust are essentially synonyms. <laughs> it's more of a relational word. Faithfulness, reliability, uh, uh, continuity. It's not about evaluation. It's not like Jesus is coming back to see if you prayed like the widow enough or like that family in the hospital enough. Jesus wants us to trust him. He wants us to put our faith in him, to have a life of faith and trust with him. Verse 7 says, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I think too often we read the Bible as if we're not the chosen ones. Amen. Rather than accepting that we are and crying out day and night, we stop there and don't consider ourselves in. So we have this air of evaluation. Do, am I going to fit here? Is this about me? I don't even know. And this kind, of, this kind of filter up of evaluation. Am I good enough? God, are you good enough? Are you going to raise my mom from the dead or not? Am I going to raise God up? Am I going to raise my mom up from the dead or not? It's like, who's going to be responsible for what I want? And that, that kind of confrontational kind of evaluation, like who's right, who's wrong, is not a relationship. It's what tears relationships apart. And you know this from all the relationships that you have. If you have that attitude with someone that you love, your relationship is going to hurt and your relationship's going to hurt regardless. So why would you do that to yourself? You can do the relationship differently. Tim Geoffrian, who wrote a book about um, saying yes to God. I forgot. I, we're, we're reading it um, on the daily prayer this week. Anybody, anybody read the daily prayer? Circlehook.net slash daily prayer. Read that sometimes? Yeah. So we're looking at Tim Geoffrion's book, Saying Yes to God. And he gives us some good encouragement for having that relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. He turns the evaluation not on our relationship, but on the benefits that that relationship has had in our lives. The evidence he sees in his own life for what trusting God has brought about. He says, I cannot prove that God's help is a fact. But I can say that it is a fact that living by faith has improved the quality of my life. You see, he's, a, he's evaluating the decision he made to trust God, to, to receive his chosenness. He's saying, was that a bad decision or not? And he says, no, this decision has very much improved my life. He goes on to similar worries, similar moments of worry and wonder as those chosen ones who are crying out day and night. Similar ones to the ones you've had, similar ones to the these people in the hospital that I told you the story about. These are moments of disillusionment, disappointment. But Tim thinks disillusionment can be a friend. If we don't get stuck in anger, bitterness, or self-absorption, it helps us to, this disillusionment, it helps us to face the truth about real life and forces us to ask important questions like, what can I, what can I believe about God that will hold up in my experience? What can I look to God for? What is the meaning of a real relationship with God? Disillusionment can be the first step toward looking to God for what God can, tru can truly offer us. 
a sense of meaning, purpose, and a hope that can, admit, can exist amidst suffering and loss, precisely because God points us to what extends beyond suffering and loss. When we let go of, the, of needing God to fix our current problem or spare us from pain, we become more open to the Spirit's comforting presence. We may start looking for the meaning of life in our relationships with God and in the sacred love flow rather than any other inferior rival. Here I'm quoting from Tim directly. No one can answer all of the questions we have or prove God's existence or love. You can't prove it. You can't prove God's existence or God's love. The evidence is ambiguous at best. In the end, faith is just that. It's faith. The definition of it in Hebrews 11.1, 1, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. But the benefits of that faith are tangible, and those can be evaluated. We can make a choice to keep praying, relating to God, even when we don't know the answers. Tim asks us in those moments we have given up, and we, we all have had those moments, what do, what do you have now that you didn't have when you put your trust in God? And what have you lost by distancing yourself from God? Hear those questions? When you give up on prayer, and I, again, I think we've all done this, kind of taking a break, not really into that right now. What do you have in that moment that you didn't have when you were trusting God? And what have you lost by distancing yourself from God? sense of peace, presence, purpose. I think it's easier to understand what we're missing. And there's not much that we're losing by putting our trust in God if we can persevere through that. Tim thinks that it's helpful to forgive God, even if we don't even have a right to. Even if our claim isn't justified, it doesn't matter. We're having a relationship what would happen if you chose to forgive God for not helping you when you expected or begged for help? What might happen if you chose to move toward God instead of away from God with all of your hurt and pain? I know you might instinctively respond, nothing, nothing would happen. However, that hasn't been Tim's experience. It hasn't been my experience. I don't think it's the experience of those people in the hospital. That moment of grief, they moved through it because the audacity to have that much hope I don't think easily fades. You may not experience what you want or expect, but in time, those who put their hope in God will likely know and experience God's love again. I'll close with this story from when I was a teenager. My mom was in graduate school that's one of the reasons we moved to Philadelphia. Uh, my dad was planting a church and my mom was becoming a psychologist. Big, two really big projects in my household. And uh, around the dinner table one night she asked me, or asked the whole family to pray for her for this big test she was gonna have. And in a way that only a 14 or 15 year old can, I said, Psh, that's on you. That's <laughs> You can't, you can't pray. I mean, you, you study or don't. 
You know, like it's, it's on you. Like you're going to get an A or because you worked at it or not. And my mom said, oh, no, I pray about everything. And that mantra has, has sunken in many, many years later. That sense of responsibility. Oh, I'm going to get the A. I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. She's worried about it. She, she needs God's presence to, to like kind of get through. It's just what she does. She has this life with God. I pray about everything. She didn't convince me in the moment, but, but God has convinced me since. And I, 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 I tell you as well. Pray about everything. And I got JC on my side too. So don't quit. He's got good words for you. Let's pray about this with this prayer from Julia Esquivel, and then you can talk back. Jesus said, you ought always to pray and not to faint. So we do not pray for easy lives. We pray to be stronger women and men. And we do not pray for tasks equal to our powers, but for powers equal to our tasks. Then the doing of our work will be no miracle. We will be the miracle. Every day may we wonder at ourselves and the richness of life which has come to us by the grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.